0: starting a new series called legends today all right and what we do is we we basically take a bunch of the the giant stories in the bible and we kind of break them down and uh and, and kind of show how they relate to us all right how many of you know that sometimes reading stories in the bible they're gigantic and the people are just i mean they seem larger than life right and we don't actually look at them as people we look at them as legends, and so it's like they're—I don't know—they have like different emotions than us, right? They have different, they're a different caliber than we are, and uh, so we put them up on this pedestal. And you know what? They're just regular people that did great things, but most of the time it was because they serve a great God, right? And so we're gonna we're gonna take these stories and kind of break them down. And uh, today we're gonna be talking about Joshua. All right. Now we uh, we cannot take. Uh, every story and break it down to the nth degree because I mean Joshua had an entire book named after him so uh, to go through an entire book I just don't have the ability to do that all right and so uh, you guys probably wouldn't want to listen to that <laughs> it'd be confusing so we're gonna take Joshua and we're gonna highlight some some big points in his life okay and see what we can learn from from how he went through certain things and uh, it's gonna be really good so, so this guy named Joshua his start He was actually born into slavery in Egypt, okay? And he was also born, uh, and his dad's name was Nun, N-U-N, Joshua, son of Nun. How many of you know he got dealt a bad hand from the get-go? Slavery and a horrible name, all right? So every time that you hear Joshua, you know, uh, it's kind of like my name would be Jordan, son of Van, you know? His first name is actually Van. It's not Pastor, in case you didn't know. His first name is Pastor. Last name Van. Nope. Son of Van. It'd be Jordan, son of Van. All right. That sounds better than son of none. All right. It's just every time that they say your dad's name, you're just don't remind me, you know? So, uh, so Joshua, son of Nun, born into slavery, and that's how he grew up. He grew up in slavery. Now, none of us in this room probably grew up in, in, in some sort of condition where you were completely broken of all um, uh, just inner intuition and initiative, self-initiative, but these, these, these Israelites, they grew up in slavery. They had no self-initiative. Every, everything was, was given to them to do, and they were broken people. Their minds were broken. I mean, you can imagine whenever, of course, we know the story of Moses, right? Whenever Moses came and started saying these great things, I guarantee you there was a lot of doubt, all right? Not just of the physical things of what, what could take place, but up here, like in their in their minds, and you can imagine Joshua growing up in this sort of environment. His mind, his heart, he was underdeveloped in these areas. All right, and and you know, son of none. Just on top of that, just you know, lemon lemon. Is it salt and salt in the wound? Not, I was about to say lemon juice in the wound. That's not right. That would hurt too, though. That would hurt too. So you it's the first time that we really we really see Joshua mentioned in scripture. Is uh, it's actually in Exodus seventeen, um, and. Uh, they're about to, uh, basically, they're about to go to war. The Israelites are about to go to war. They're about to go to battle. And Moses just kind of reaches out and grabs Joshua. Says, Joshua, go and lead a group of men down and, and begin to fight. Me and Aaron and her are going to go up onto the mountain place, and I'm going to stand there and raise my hands. And that's what happens. Moses goes onto a mountain, and he raises his hands. And as long as he has his hands up, they're winning the, the war, right? Joshua's down there fighting. They're, as long as he's up there doing that, they're winning, they're, they're winning the battle. But as his hands go down, they start losing. And so there's this thing going on, and Aaron and her they hold his hands up until they're victorious. But I don't want to really picture and, and focus on Moses. I want, to, I want to focus on Joshua in that moment. All right, Joshua, hey, man, here's your first thing to go do. I want you to go fight. We're going to go up here on the mountaintop. All right, this just sounds so cool. We're going to go on the mountaintop and lift our hands, but you go fight. I picture this being just a, a small test for Joshua. All right, it was kind of like the entry-level thing. It's kind of like a quiz in school. It's kind of like your daily quiz, right, your, your weekly quiz. It's, it's not that big of a deal, but it kind of is a big deal. All right, but then you got your tests that are a little bit bigger. All right, then you got your exams that are huge, right? And so this is kind of like a small thing. It's like, Joshua, we want you to go do this. Now, whether Joshua said yes or no, God was still going to have his plan carried out. Because if Joshua was like, oh, I don't think I can, Moses would have been like, all right, then I don't know, I couldn't think of another name, you know. Bob, it's your time. Let's go. And then God would use, then we had the book of Bob and I'd be talking about Bob, the legend. All right. I don't think Bob's in the Bible, but, uh, but that's, you know, that's Joshua's start, And he started at the bottom, but he did well. He did well there. And, and you know, he passed the test and then we we move on in this story to where he really gets tested big time. This is his second test, and this is where uh, the children of Israel have, have come to the land of Canaan, the place where they are supposed to be, all right, the promised land, and, and Moses sends out spies into the land to see really what's going on, and he sends out 12 of them, okay, and they go, they go throughout the land, and they're, and they're checking things out, and when they come back, 10 of them are like, there's no way that we can take this land, all right, there's giants there's a lot of cool stuff, like they brought back some grapes. That was just a giant cluster of grapes and like just proof of how awesome this land was. But 10 of them couldn't overcome the fact that there was these giants. There was, these, uh, there was obstacles in the way. And so these 10 end up saying all this stuff and getting the people in a tizzy, right? Everybody's all upset. Everybody's all crying out and angry. And, and the crazy thing about the children of Israel is that every time that they hit a barricade, they always ended up saying, let's go back to Egypt. Let's just go back to, G- to Egypt. It was, like the, it was like this comfort zone. Of course, us, we're like, well, that's crazy. It's slavery, man. But to them, at least they knew they were going to have food. At least they knew they had a house to live in. And for them, whenever their faith got weak and they couldn't really trust God to the fullest extent, that they, that, that whenever they got in that place, they wanted to recede back into this, what they thought was safety. But it was complete deception, of course, we know. And we're like, here, you know, 2015, whoa, those silly children of Israel, you know. Yet we do it in different ways nowadays. You know, we retreat back into our comfort zones. But, uh, but here's Joshua and, and his buddy named Caleb. And they're the only two out of 10 that are like, guys, we can do this. We can do this. Two out of 10. Sometimes don't y'all feel like two out of 10? Like, guys, really, no, I think this is right. I think that we, sh- I think that we can do this. All right, and we see w- w- what Joshua does in this moment. To Numbers 13, 6 through 10. It says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, there it is, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, that's a hard name, who were, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people. Now, when we read this, you've got to realize the guy just is tearing his clothes, okay? He's not just sitting there saying these words like, The land which we passed through to spy it out. He's not just talking like that. He's, he's in torment, okay he is under a lot of pressure but this is what this is what they're saying. The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us. I like that I'm talking some trash. they're bread, guys I don't Okay. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. What a great response. I mean, Joshua, you know, Caleb, they're standing up there, and they're, like, giving these great speeches, and they're, you know, like, war cries and stuff, and people are standing there looking at them, and they get done, and they're like, yeah? Hey, guys, let's just stone them. I don't know. Let's stone him. You know, God's already split the Red Sea. He's already done all these great things. And the people have lost sight of that. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the children of Israel. I don't want to spend a lot of time on Moses. I want to look at what Joshua's response was in that. Because what Joshua does here is he submits. You don't see Joshua running around uh, blaming Moses and, and, and get upset and talking against his leader. You just kind of see him submit and just take his place that's hard come on i think most of us in this room are the type of people that we don't like people to get one on us right get one over on us i mean it's like no i'm right i know i'm right but i have to be wrong right now that's painful it's hard it's uh, selfless <laughs> it, it comes against ourself and the thing is is that whenever this happened god did his part god gave judgment and uh uh, what's crazy is that every person that was above the age of 20 they had to die before they actually went into the promised land basically God said because of your unfaithfulness because of your doubt for me you know in me I'm not gonna allow you to see the the promised land at that point don't you know Joshua could have been like I told you so right now you guys see what's and what happened is at this point the children of Israel get nervous they get a little antsy and they're like oh okay God you're serious Okay, we'll change our mind. We'll go. And they get up the next morning, they go fight, and they get whooped. They get defeated. You know what I'm saying? Because they went without God. See, what's crazy, y'all, if you think about it, is the night before God was with them, the day before God was with them, and no matter what they did, whether they fought really well or not, they were still going to be victorious. And the next day, they go in their own power and their own might, and no matter what they did, no matter how well they fought, they were going to lose. No matter what. Because God wasn't with him, and Joshua sees this, and guess what? Joshua had to walk through the wilderness for forty years, just like everybody else. That's frustrating. That's very frustrating. But it was a test, because God, I believe, was looking at Joshua the whole time, saying, "How is he going to respond?" Because God, God knew the future. God knew what was coming. Joshua had no idea. So why did I say that Joshua was tested? But it's because he passed a test like this. Joshua shows faith in God. I think it's awesome that Joshua was one of two that came back and, and although he saw the very same things that everybody else did, he still put his faith in God. I think it was awesome that he stayed in his lane. All right, this was Moses' rodeo. All right, there's only one guy on the bull, it's Moses. He's riding this thing, he's, he's doing it. Joshua had to submit to that, right? And Joshua so, shows submission he didn't turn around and backbite and, and form a coup and, and do all that kind of stuff. He stayed submitted. So we look forward in Numbers 27, 18. And this is really the fruit of, I believe, of that test. Because Joshua is chosen by God to lead the, the children of Israel. Because Moses is getting older. Moses is about to move on to, you know, the, the, the wide open fields of glory. And God's like, who am I going to choose? And Moses is like, you got to choose somebody. And guess what God does? He says, I want you to choose Joshua, son of none. Son of none. You know why? Because I saw what he did whenever he spied out the land. I saw what he did whenever he was in the valley and you were on the, you were on the mountaintop and that was so glorious, but I saw how he led those people. I see his heart and I want him to be the leader of it all. Joshua had to remain faithful. Joshua had to go through a testing, but God saw that and God chooses him. I believe it was because of Joshua's track record that that's why God chose him. You see, Joshua was a great number two. He was a really great number two. He was a great follower. And you know what? You'll never be a great number one until you're a great number two. You'll never be a great leader until you're a great follower i believe great leaders are still and will always be great followers a lot of us we want to lead like we want to be in the forefront you know what i'm saying we want but are we supporting where we are right now you know being being in church and being on the worship team for a long time uh that's one thing that i've learned personally but i've also seen play out which is uh, I was always okay being the number two. I was always okay just being the guy on the guitar in the background that didn't have to take responsibility for anything, right? I'm the assistant. (laughs) It's such a a place of of no pressure, being being a number two, right? Come on, y'all know what I mean. I'm assistant manager. I'm not manager, (laughs) right? I I don't know. Go ask him about that. But until we're a great number two, until we're a great follower, until we support the leader no matter what, I don't believe God ever elevates us to the, the place of number one. But for a lot of us, God wants us to be in that leadership place. He wants us to lead our families well. He wants us, I believe God wants to give us influence in our workplace and give us influence in these places, but we have to be submitted and we have to be great number twos. Joshua was a great number two. God saw that. God makes him a great number one. So that was number two. He gets tested. The next next phase we see for Joshua is where Joshua gets challenged. That exam, right? Because he's commissioned as leader of Israel. He's 84, by the way, at this point. Good Lord. (sighs) I mean, we're... We're retired by that point, all right? Don't give me something brand new. God says, here you go. Here's the entire, you know, Israelite army and all the families and all the tribes. Here you go. Here, here it is. It's yours, 84 years old. And the first thing Joshua faces is Jericho, the biggest, strongest, baddest city. Okay, Jericho. You can go and you can read stats on Jericho and the wall and, and how huge it was. It was this fortified place. It wasn't like you just walk up and let's just meet in a field. You couldn't touch these people okay and that's that's joshua's first big challenge now this is funny i i think it's funny i I see little things in the bible like this and it just kind of cracks me up joshua sends two spies into jericho i just gotta think that he learned (laughs) from what happened 40 years ago he's like hold on a second no i'm not sending 12 Uh uh-uh no matter of fact i'm sending two and i know these two very well you know Actually, I've already told them what to say when they come back. No, but, right? Because he's like, I mean, to me, it's like he saw, he's, okay, he saw Moses, where Moses was, right? And he was the number two. And, and Moses, we oughta, we oughta. And now here's Joshua in Moses' spot. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? It's your rodeo now, bro. You're on the bull. Let's see, let's see what choices you make. Let's see how you do this thing. I don't think he was going to make the same mistake twice, huh? Joshua 2, 23 and 24 says this. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. Stop saying that, man. Come on. (laughs) And they told him all that, that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. I just love it melt away it's like ain't no problem we got this man let's do this thing so you know what they do many of us know the story they go and they do some really weird things they march around the city a whole bunch of times which seems kind of useless for like six days they just march around the city come back home go you know have dinner go to sleep get back up do the same thing and on the seventh day they go around about seven times And at the end of the seven times they shout and guess what happens I believe it was like an earthquake came and shook the ground and the walls of this city that were so big fell down. And guess what they did? They defeated Jericho. Easily. Easily defeated the biggest challenge yet. The difference was that they put all of their faith in God. That was was basically the only difference between what happened 40 years ago and now. And Joshua was in the lead of that. Now, uh, God, God did something. God commanded them to kill everything in the city. All right? I'm talking everything. It didn't matter if it was an animal, a person. Kill everything and don't take anything. It was all To me, I look at it like it was like a, a tithe. It was, it was like the first fruits of their labor. And God was like, I want that city. You can have everything else, but not this one. Don't touch it. We see that with Adam and Eve, right? Same type thing, the tree. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. This is mine. You know? So they, 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 they had this great victory. You can imagine, guys, after 40 years of just... Come on, it feels like defeat. You've been going around in circles. You had this giant victory. You know they were partying it up. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, they're just going nuts. Yeah, everybody's just excited. They feel like they're untouchable. And then there's this little city coming up called Ai. Now, Jericho was giant, right? Ai was itty bitty. So small that they said, we don't even need to send everybody out. We don't need to send everybody. We just need a few thousand, maybe three or four thousand people to get out there. They'll take care of it, no problem. Let's all rest. Let's recoup. We've done a lot of work, right? So they go and, and they fight AI. And believe it or not, they, they, they lose. They, they lost the fight. AI, little bitty AI, they go up against and they lose. 36 people died. And they were, I mean, they were out. They were just, their mind was blown. Because, I mean, come on. What you just went through at Jericho was nothing compared to where you're at right now. It's easy. But what they didn't know is there's a a little guy named Achan. There's a guy named Achan that did something that was uh, extremely, it was wrong. It violated God's command. And this is, I wanna read a a good amount of scripture right here that really depicts what's what's going down right here. It's in Joshua seven. This is where Joshua is crying out to God again, tearing his clothes, right? That's just Joshua's way of lamenting. And so he's down there, he's crying, and this is God's response. And I really love the Lord because this is how I picture him talking to me all the time. Just straight up, just in your face. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Joshua's like, "I, I think we know why, huh? Have you been hearing me? Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. Let's just keep reading. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes, and the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans, and the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households, and the household that the Lord takes shall come near man by man, and he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua, there we go, rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe. Now this is intense. You got to picture what's happening here. Imagine, imagine being the dude named Achan, all right? Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah and the clan of the, all those people, and he brought near the clan of them man by man, and them too was taken. And he was brought, <laughs> he was brought near the clans of, he was brought near, uh, uh, wait, where are we going here, man? I'm following you. Go to the next, the next one. There we go. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of blah, 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 blah. Tribe of Judah was taken. Next one. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, truly, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. And then he tells him what's up. All the guy did was take one robe, about 200 shekels of silver and a gold bar out of an entire land. He took just like three things. what, in our, in the way that we operate as Americans, right, it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that big of a deal, right? It was like a white lie. It's like a little bit. thing. Out of all the things that that guy Achan probably saw in Jericho to take, it, he really actually did pretty good. We actually would probably give him a star. Hey man, you only took a little bit. You only compromised just a smission. Great job, you know? Y'all know that's the way uh, that that we work. It's like we don't measure a lie by uh, by the fact that it was a lie. We measure it by how big of a lie it was. And that doesn't make any sense in the economy of God. And this is where we see this happening is Achan made a small compromise. And I think it's almost annoying, right, that God would take it out on the entire camp. Come on, God, it was just one dude. Just like go to him and just deal with him because it's just him but no, the entire camp is thrown just off kilter. But again, I wanna look at what Joshua does, because this is where Joshua gets challenged again, because Joshua has to make a very hard call. God told him, I want you to find this guy, all right? You're gonna cast lots and you're gonna end up finding this guy. And what I want you to do is I want you to not only kill him, I want you to burn him, I want you to, to kill his whole family I want you to burn everything he's got. I want you to wipe him off of the map because of a little bit of compromise. God, he doesn't play games, huh? I mean, it's intense. Again, in our culture and the way that we think, we're like, how could God do this? That seems so severe. Oh, Jesus hadn't come yet, (laughs) right? Jesus hadn't come yet, this isn't the, the area of grace, this was the wrath of God, and this is what the wrath of God looks like with sin, and you know, just because judgment's delayed doesn't mean that everything's okay, that happens a lot. You know, when I was little, sometimes I'd mess up and disobey or whatever, say about, about one o'clock in the afternoon, and my mom would always say this, you just wait till your dad gets home, right? And for the next three to four hours, I was all of a sudden the best kid ever. Oh, you want me to take out the trash? I'll take out all of them twice. There's no trash in it. I'm still going to take it out because daddy's coming. And like, hopefully she would forget. Hopefully she would forget about it. Right. And so it seems like things are going well. Things are good. All right. And then all of a sudden dad gets home, closes the door, walks in. And, you know, come on. How many of y'all been here before? Just just a few of you. Right. Your, your dad walks in or whatever. And you're like, OK, maybe she doesn't remember. And So you're like eating dinner, everything's cool, making jokes, everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, mom's like, "So, Dad, today," and you're like, "Oh God, no, please, <laughs> please, no." Dad, today, Jordan, he did this. <laughs> you know, no, but wait, listen. You know what I'm saying? You're like all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, you're like this lawyer coming out and bringing out all the facts and trying to prove your innocence and but it was too late. The deed was done, and now the judgment's coming, right? Although it was delayed, it didn't mean that mama forgot. And sometimes that's where we're at. The deed's done, and for some of us, unless we're right with God, unless there's repentance in our life, just because judgment's delayed doesn't mean that, that God's forgotten. And that's a reality that we have to, we have to accept and know and realize. God says we have to give account for everything that we do. It's not always based upon whether or not we get caught or corrected or disciplined for it. God sees. Achan thought he was cool, he thought he was okay. He stole a few things that didn't really, nobody's gonna miss, they all had to leave it there anyway. He hid it under his tent and the only person was God that knew, that was it. He thought he was clean, thought he was good. It was just a little bit of compromise. So what they did there is they ended up taking about 30,000 people and they went to Ai and they ended up defeating Ai after they had taken care of Achan and taken care of that. But again, think about Joshua. I don't think that Joshua loved doing that. But you know what it was? It was just another level of another challenge, another test that God was seeing. Do you really have what it takes? Can you make the hard call, the tough decision? And he did, and because of that, Israel did great things, and Joshua was remembered as a great leader. But what if he would have compromised with Achan? What if he would have been like, ah, this one's a little too much, God. What would have happened? We don't know. We have no idea. But Joshua was faithful. He remembered the the promises of God. He always did. All throughout scripture, you just see, he's just like, God said this, so we're we're gonna be okay. And he put his whole faith in God. And because of that, he was successful. He was blessed and he did great things. So I wanna wrap up with three, three questions. Number one is what's your test? Think about your own heart, your own life. What's the area you're being tested in right now? Maybe you're a number two, like Joshua, right? And it's actually kind of an easy place to be. But are you being a great number two? Are you being a great follower? Whether it's church, are you being a supportive member, a supportive follower of Christ in the way that you operate in the body of Christ? In your job, are you a great assistant manager? Are you a great employee? In your marriage, are you a great supporter of your family? Are you helping build your family or are you tearing it down? Young people, this is huge. Young people, you have such a responsibility in your family to help keep things settled and peaceful. Sometimes mom and dad are, are, are fine, but it's the kid that's going nuts and causes the issues and, and they're like, we don't know what to do. Sometimes it's the other way around, all right? But we all have a responsibility to be great supporters and great followers, all right? What's your test? Number two, what's your biggest challenge? What's your Jericho right now? Some of you, the tests, you've been through a lot of tests and those have actually been easy. You've actually done really well. It's kind of like, oh yeah, it wasn't that big of a deal. Some people follow those tests, but you were like, no, it's not a deal. But now you're facing a Jericho. You're facing a, a much bigger challenge. Maybe it's the first time. Y'all know, you, you could probably picture it right now in your head, which, what, what that Jericho is right now, the big monument that's standing in the way. And you feel like if only I could get through this, I'd be all right. What's that Jericho? And number three, what's your hard call? What's your, what's your aching AI story right now that's in your life? What's the compromise? What's the, what's the barrier that's holding you back from victory, from a life of victory in God, from a successful marriage, from a successful job, uh, job life? From what, what is that thing? What is that compromise? We have to deal with it. We have to make hard calls. I think for all of us, The greatest challenge is not actually identifying what it is that is the problem. I think it's actually being obedient and doing what we need to do to get past that. I believe that God gives us wisdom. He gives us common sense sometimes. I believe that God gives us counsel around us, people to go to, all right? If you're a part of this church, you've got a plethora of people around you that you at any point at any time can go to and get help and get advice and get spiritual counsel, right? I think God gives us all the tools, but guess what? We gotta pick them up. We gotta take the wrench. We gotta find the right size socket, right? We gotta put the thing and, and begin to work. And that's where we get hung up. Obedience and following through. Come on, I wanna pray for all of us right now. Let's just go ahead and bow our heads. These three things, you gotta test. Maybe it's some small things right now that are just eating you up maybe there's a big challenge that Jericho that big wall that's you've never faced anything so challenging maybe you've you faced all of it and you actually you know what the compromise is you know what the problem is maybe you've taken your eyes off of God and now it's time to repent it's time to change it's time to to look at what God says and believe that over what you're feeling over your emotions it's time to take a step forward. Lord, we come to you right now and God, we're bringing to you right now all of our, all of our Jerichos, God, all of our, our AIs, God, all of our sin and compromise, we bring it all before you right now, Lord. God, you, you search, God, we just ask that you would search all of our hearts right now. Lord, because sometimes we've got things hidden and, under a tent and we forgot about it and we think we're okay, God, and we need your spirit to go through us, to work in us, to expose those things and to convict us, God. So right now, if there's an area in your life that that God's brought to mind, I want you just to repent of that. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that area of compromise. Lord, I want to be in your grace, God. I want to be righteous through Jesus. I want, God, I want to be victorious. And God, I know that by making these choices, there's no way that that's going to happen. So God, I repent of that. I submit myself back to your call. I submit myself back to your standards, Lord. Help me, God. And I wanna talk to some people in the room right now as we're all still praying. And some of you, you've actually never made the hardest call, the the biggest decision, and that's to choose Jesus as your Lord, as your savior, as your king, to really trust in him. The whole message of the gospel is that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life because none of us can. And he went and he died on a cross and, and by his blood being poured out, that was the payment for our sin. Because all throughout scripture, it was all about pure blood and pure sacrifice being the payment for iniquity. And Jesus died to pay that price so that we could sit in a room like this and, and feel his presence and, and feel his conviction and respond. And so if you've, never, if you've never done that, if you can't remember that moment where you chose Jesus and, and like your heart changed and there was just a difference. And right now, as I'm talking, you have like this tension, you have this struggle, because you know it's you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit just saying, hey, look, it's time to choose Jesus. You know what's right, you know what's going on. It's time to go ahead and lay down your weapons and lay down all your effort and come to me so right now if that's you and you want to choose jesus today all i want you to do is raise your hand we're not going to bring up front or anything like that just go ahead and lift it up because i want to pray with you anybody in here i got one over here two who else you say it's time I'm gonna say a prayer right now. And as I pray, I want you to put yourself in this prayer. I want you just to submit your heart to God because God's gonna change your perspective right now. God's gonna change your perception of life. He's gonna forgive you. Say, God, Lord, I surrender my heart before you right now. And God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin God, where I've been wrong, where I've lived according to my standards, according to my fleshly desires, according to my emotions. Lord, I want to begin to live according to yours. I want to begin begin to live according to the word of God, your standards, Father. And and Lord, I need you to, to permeate my heart, to forgive me of my sin. God, I fall before you right now and I say I need you. Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for giving your life for me. And I accept that gift of salvation. Lord, because my goal is to stand before you one day and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, that's my my whole desire. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, can we clap our hands and give it up for those who get to the life of God? Yeah.
1: The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the information, our lead pastor Van De Cody wants to send you a letter that tells you some steps to take in order to maintain your new relationship with God. We'll also give you some information about Northwood Church. We are one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and Long Beach. If you live in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website northwood.tv/locations for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv/give. You can give a one-time donation or you can sign up for our online community called MyNC and set up a recurring gift. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.